Whenever you rent or buy a video, you need to be sure that the film you choose is suitable for the audience at home. Do sit down. We're just about to have some tea. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not panic, but scream. Scream for your lives. Hey weirdos, the kettle's boiled. Welcome to Tea for Terror, where we take a favourite horror film and dissect it over a nice cup of tea. I'm your host, Andrew Graves, and my guest today is here to tell us that he needs this podcast like a leper needs a three-way mirror. Welcome <laughs> once again to James Whittington. How are you doing, <laughs> my old fella? That's the best introduction yet, that one, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. I was trying it because obviously when I do these intros, I go through the film quotes and I try and pick something and sort of play with it. Um, it was really difficult to do with the, the film we're looking at today because it's all about <laughs> female sexual <laughs> body parts. So it's like, it's yeah. not going to work. It's not going to work. Yeah. So uh, It's all yeah. about the assets. It is, yeah. Um. Yeah, so uh, are you well? Yeah, really well. Um, Nix is doing incredibly well at the moment on um, Channel Free, was it Freeview 289 and Channel Box and all that. Um, mainly, I think a lot of the times because of the new content in our first um, original programming, Alan Jones from Fright Fest, fame, as, he's, as many people know him now. He's got his own um, Saturday scares going on at the moment, so he's choosing films out of the Nick's catalogue and having an introduction and very similar to a certain horse we'll be talking about later on. Mm. Um, obviously, he's more glamorous. And um, so he's, we've been having some nice Jalo titles, um, even a classic like 13 Ghosts he introduced. We've also got Canadian um, creative Chris Alexander doing Sinister San Cinema on a Monday, and he's um, going through the best Canadian films moment to expect Soska sisters and things like that in Cronenberg, obviously. And the, that original program's really getting the viewers. People are really buying into that. So we're looking to do more with, with lots of different people. Yeah, it's looking good. I mean, keep seeing stuff popping up on Facebook and social media and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it is like one of those little things that it, it kind of shouldn't exist now, but it mm -hmm. does. You know what I mean? It's, 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 you know, like I said, yeah, because obviously the film we're going to be talking about later on, I think this is, if anything still exists in that vein, it is something like mm -hmm. Nick's. I mean, it's it's a different beast, but it is got, it's got that similar vibe to it as well, because I think mm -hmm. that's for any sort of horror fan or anybody that's into sort of cool or stranger sort of darker material, I think it's a perfect outlet for that really and and you know as well as these other little things that are there you know you've got screen magazine and the dark side and all all these little things that you know probably a lot of mainstream folks aren't aware of but for us and for people that are aware of them it's you know it's good times yeah we're really really lucky and i think they've picked a great time you know for such a thing you know and it's like a great preview for those because obviously being free to air and we've, sh we've shown some quite like um, House of the Edge of the Park and stuff like that. It's a good try before you buy, before you go and buy the 4K. Just, you know, heavy investment. And I think that helps support physical media. So you can't replace it. I love physical media stuff. It doesn't matter how many on-demand channels you have, the film you want will never be there. 
you know, so I think I think it's great because I'd never seen House of Nature the Park before and I watched it on the channel uh, to write about it and I had to get the 4K from uh, 88 films because it's just really, you know, it is a, 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 a nasty little film, but it's, it's got a lot of merit to it as well. So I think it's a good try before you buy. Yeah, I, I think that even if I, you know, even if I sneakily watch something on YouTube or whatever occasionally, because I, I, I just sometimes I just have to do it for speed because if I'm talking about the Broadway, I've got to rewatch it and I, I don't have time to buy it. I'll watch it on YouTube. But if it's something that I revisit and think, oh, yeah, I will go out and buy it. You know, I am that person. I, I'm not just yeah. a, a pirate guy. I will go out and buy it. I'm surrounded by mm. physical media. You know, for, oh, yeah. for I, I had to I had to rewatch um, the Naked Kiss the other day, the Sam Fuller film, and uh, you, you just, I was just watching it again, thinking, God, this is. And immediately, as soon as I stopped watching it, I like went on Criterion and ordered it, you know, because it's just yeah. absolutely stunning. It's brilliant, and there's nothing like it, you know that 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 getting that post and getting your your box set. Yeah. It's just you know. I've still got my old laser disc playing. I've still got the uncut Cannibal Holocaust and that for it. You know, I wouldn't part with it because it's <laughs> such a... I can't you know, watch that film. I just refuse uh, to watch that film now. Oh, it, even it. the discs coloured red. You know, it's just classics like that, you know. I, but I love, I love it, that it, sort of thing. Parts of it, it's brilliantly directed, you know, it's <laughs> in some ways, but it's just too... The animal, the animal cruelty is too much. But. You don't need it. You know, it's just what was the point in that? And But the, like I said, it's like one of those strange things that you tend to get the with those Italian... I love Italian cult horror films, but it's... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the, the nastier they are, the nicer the soundtrack is. <laughs> <laughs> soundtrack for Cannibal Holocaust is beautiful. Yeah. Okay. No. No, <laughs> it no, it just be the sound of someone banging their head against a table, but it's actually very <laughs> melodic. It's wonderful. Um yeah. So, uh yeah, I think um what I wanted to do right because obviously you've been on uh this is your third time you've been on James. So, yeah. I keep I keep locking him in the cellar, but he keeps escaping. <laughs> yeah. Um so he's here again. Uh no, but you've been on three times. So, so obviously, when normally when guests come on for the first time, what I'll ask them is their their early connections with horror, how they got involved with horror, where they came. Obviously, I'm not going to do that again. And then you came on again. Um, we talked about Black Christmas at Chris for our Christmas episode, and, and so we talked about the links between horror and Christmas. Uh, but I thought, given the film we're going to be looking at today, because it does really does fit. A, a very key time in terms of horror and what was happening, particularly with American horror at that time. Um, so I thought we'd kind of, you know, start off with a bit of a conversation about that very specific uh, point in time. I'm talking about 80s horror films because I, you know, I remember. I don't, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if it's the same. I'm sure it's probably a similar thing with yourself, but you know, obviously, I went through that whole thing of being a kid in this young kid in the 70s and by 1980 i'll turn 10 and so you're going into the 80s by the time you're 12 13 you're starting to get more exposed to not just kind of your horror films that are appearing on telly but that's when for the first time i remember the first vhs i ever saw was american werewolf in london uh yeah. and getting exposed to all these kind of stuff uh but also a little bit later on um when 
video had kind of moved beyond just your your dodgy corner shop guy you know when you're getting your blockbusters and things like that or your your bigger sort of more prestige um places you know I, you know i remember it's just me and my mate on a friday or whatever would just go and go in and and have a look what was there in fact um other than sort of blockbuster um, there was another place. Uh, it, I grew up in a little town called Sutton, like a my ex mining town, uh, and there was a place like a little corner, like a little not a corner, but a little shop, and it was called Venus Videos. So they did all the sort of you know more of your mainstream videos. Then upstairs, they had the horror <laughs> cavern, which was it, that was just me, you know. Uh, it was just obviously it was decorated. It got all the posters. It was really dark, and it was all you know everything, all the stuff that I sh you know you shouldn't have been exposed to. I was exposed to, and so we used to go in there every Friday night or whatever, and we'd rifle through that. I'm just you, you just go you you'd lit because you've got no internet, anything like that. Mm -hmm. You just you were going purely on the covers, and so yeah. you know, and we watched some absolute shit. <laughs> we watched some brilliant <laughs> stuff as well. But the thing is, at that point, at that age, you know, I didn't even drink then, but it's like, you know, at that age, you know, 16, 17, you get your popcorn or your, your pop or whatever, take it home, get your video, stick bloody chopping mall in or whatever it was and go. And that was it. That was your Friday night. Yeah. And it, it didn't care. It could be the best horror film you've ever seen or the fucking worst horror film you've ever seen. It didn't mm. matter. I can still smell the insides of that shop i can still picture me and my mate sitting there it's just, it just felt like i'm not i'm not one of those people who is stuck in the 80s i'm not gonna say oh it's nowhere near as good now as it was then there are some amazing stuff now and some brilliant mm -hmm. films i'm not gonna say that but because i was 16 17 around that sort of key time around the time when this film we're going to talk about talk about was coming out it just felt like a bit of a magic time for me. It just felt, you know, mm -hmm. there's lots of stuff going on. And, you know, we had no idea how the future was going to pan out. Uh, and even though mm -hmm. the 80s was pretty grim as well in some ways, mm -hmm. there was, for a kid or well, someone who a teenager, it mm -hmm. was just kind of a a nice, a weird sort of place to be, but a, an interesting one. Yeah, exactly. No, I remember that sort of thing because um, one of the last, because you used to be able to buy ex-rental tapes, from our our local, I can't even remember what it's called now, and that's where I got Evil Dead Two from, and things like that, which I still have. You know, the old Max Headroom show when it was Matt Fro was like this action hero, instead of just being you know at Max's head, and that was great stuff. You can't buy still anymore like that, and I remember I remember that just going in and oh yeah that box that I want to see that, and it it was just feeding a need. You know, you wanted to see new stuff. You know, three, three or four channels on the TV. Sky was just coming in. You know, and you know it just fed that need. And you know, I, I think that's where the obsession for horror, because you want to see what's next, or that director did, or what continued that franchise, no matter how bad it was. You still wanted to see the next one, like Witchboard. God, how many entries is into that now? Or even today, Hellraiser. You know, they see keep churning those ones out every now and again. Yeah, I, I, and I mean, uh, the, the, I mean the cinema as well. I mean, during the eighties, you had I, I, you know, lived in Sutton, so the nearest cinema I had was in Mansfield, so the ABC, 
and obviously they'd show loads of mainstream stuff because it wasn't it wasn't like an art house cinema or anything but mm. um what they did do on a sunday they, they'd show these like horror double not always horror but they'd show these double bills so you might have evil dead and evil dead 2 or exorcist and something else or or something you know they, I, they, I remember they did like um like an all-nighter all the star star trek films and all that kind of stuff and it you know that that they were brilliant as well but i remember definitely going to see i th- i went to see every single nightmare on elm street film you know at mm. the cinema sitting at, at you know first time i saw those mm. all of them was at the cinema you know so mm. it it just you know and again can still smell the popcorn or the dodgy hot dogs or whatever that those memories are just stuck there and uh unfortunately mm-hmm. that cinema the building's still there but it doesn't uh, exist as a cinema anymore mm-hmm. um which is a real shame but uh yeah they they were my memories you know and uh just um there's just something about that time you know it was before pre-internet all this kind of stuff and it was you had to you know you'd either have to see it at the cinema you did have VHS, so you could you could retain mm-hmm. films if you wanted to, but um, mm-hmm. but there was still that that feeling that it wasn't necessarily like it is now, where it's instant access straight away, mm-hmm. which is fine, you know, for for a lot yeah, of yeah. things. But you you end up retaining a special kind of relationship with a film if it's not as easy to access. Mm-hmm. I think it's because like we talked about if we talk about the late eighties, you used to get Fangoria, but you still had to mm-hmm. wait six months before it came over here, a film like that. So there was a, there was proper anticipation, not like now where they have a, a teaser trailer or a, have a trailer for the trailer sort of thing going on. And you fed too much where before you, you saw the images in, in Fangoria and the like, and you thought, yeah, that's six months' time. It's Nightmare on Street 6 or whatever, and I want to see this. I want to see what happens next. Or it was Jason uh, Takes Manhattan. You wanted to see it, you know, for how, for how bad it would be. And that need's not really there anymore to want to see. There's not event horror anymore like it used to be in the cinema. Yes, you can still get the big titles, you know, but like you know, the 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 um, leeching off past glories, you know, like the Exorcist Believer and things like that. And the anticipation is not there anymore. Because yeah, a thing for me, I mean, I was like when I was growing up, I was always into you know being being a teenager. Certainly, I was massively into sort of metal stuff, you know. Hem- mm. But more than I liked a lot of metal stuff, but more than anything, I was I was into Alice Cooper and that, you know. So, again, when I was 16, Alice Cooper came back for his comeback tour, Nightmare, mm-hmm. Nightmare Returns. So so I went to see Alice Cooper when I was 16. I was just 16. So I just I wasn't, you know, only just 16. Um, so I went to see Alice Cooper. Uh, and Alice Cooper meant everything. And obviously there's a massive connection between Alice Cooper and mm-hmm. horror. I mean, course, yeah. the the single that he came back with, The Man Behind the Mask, was was mm-hmm. was the soundtrack to uh Friday the thirteenth, part six, you know, and then he'd mm-hmm. he end, he'd end up starring in um well he was in uh Prince of Darkness, but he also starred in uh the night the later Nightmare on Elm Street film as well. Mm-hmm. So there was always that connection for me as well. And obviously other metal bands as well, but obviously particularly Alice Cooper, this connection between yeah. horror and rock and roll. And and I was into comics as well. So it was all it was all a kind of magic time for me. That's when I I mean I, I've retained a lot of that as a as an adult, you know, everything. I'm still surrounded by all that same shit, you know. But mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah, just growing up, um yeah, it was great that it was just that 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 coming together of me 
finally getting to see Alice Cooper in concert yeah. after, you know, looking, you know, because you couldn't just go on the internet and, and download photos and videos. You had, you know, you had to, you know, looking at all these like, these tantalizing glimpses of what Alice Cooper was in the seventies. And obviously having mm-hmm. collecting all the out, I couldn't just download all the albums. I had to go out physically hunting for these kind of secondhand albums until I got the whole collection. Mm-hmm. And then finally to get to see Alice Cooper, you know, in the middle of the eighties amongst all these horror films and all this kind of stuff. And they're standing there watching Alice Cooper, watching his stage show and all this kind of stuff. I don't, I don't think uh, in terms of going to a, even though I've, arguably I've seen bands that might have been classed as being better musicians. I've never, ever been as excited ever mm-hmm. about a concert as mm-hmm. I was then when I was seeing Alice Cooper when I was 16. Mm-hmm. It's it, just, it was, it's a, just, it was just, a great time for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a pity that he's turned into a bit of a miserable old bugger recently <laughs> talk moaning about fucking trans people it's like fucking what do you mean moaning about alice cooper Cooper. moaning about trans people (laughs) alice cooper (laughs) the fuck are you talking about alice yeah the irony's not lost is it oh gee you know what i mean i'm getting old now but i just sometimes it's just like you know some of these kind of more famous older men in this just shut the fuck up (laughs) Half your opinions, but just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Just do what you do best. Yeah, just what difference it. does it make to you? What the <laughs> fuck difference does it make to you? I love that's why I love John Carpenter as he's got older, because he's just, he's always been really miserable. <laughs> you know, and he just seems this grumpy old man, doesn't have any opinions <laughs> on anything, takes the money, you know, he's just enjoying life. You know, he, he really is. Talking to John Carpenter before we go into uh, the film. Um, have you seen it on BBC iPlayer at the minute? It's really fascinating. There's a four-part documentary about um, Damn, Amityville horror. Yeah, that it's, is really well done. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's really good. And, mm. you know, John Carpenter pops up being quite miserable. He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like granddad from Only Fields and Horses now, isn't he? Yes. He's, <laughs> he's, he's like, oh, I tell boy. You know, yeah, he's, I mean, I get it if you're getting older, but I mean, you know, he's, he's a lot older than I am, so I, I, I feel like I've got limited time, so I have to be selective. <laughs> so I get it, but it's like when it, yeah. or they asked him if he'd seen, you know, uh, Amityville Part Two, and he's like, you know, fuck that, I ain't got time for that <laughs> shit. <laughs> There's another franchise that's just been allowed to run away. I went when when they were interviewing the lad and he was saying, Oh, I think there's been 32 films. I thought he was exaggerating. <laughs> they showed you more no, at the end. It's like, what the it, fuck? It's it's absolutely great. I don't know whether someone's lost the license or the license has gone into like public domain. I just don't know, you know, if you can license that sort of name, but it's just like nuts. You, yeah. you know, it, it's like it's like some of them are just so cheap, they're awful. You know, it's just why, but they're just living off a name, aren't they? Any road, right? Let's. Uh, I think it's time to go into the film we're going to look at today. So we are going to discuss the nineteen eighty eight film Alvira, Mistress of the Dark, directed by James Signorelli. Wanna talk tough movies? Here's a superhero with the biggest pair of all. You looking for me? There she was, 
Just a walking down the street singing. This Elvira is a slimy, slithering succubus, a concubine, a streetwalker, a trap. Yes, she's got it all. So, James, when was the first time you saw this film? It was one of the last films I bought as an ex-rental. So it would have probably been the year after the cinema release. And I uh, managed to bag the poster as well, obviously. obviously. Being a 17, 18-year-old boy, you want that poster. <laughs> and um, I've I got the video. I've still got the big plastic, like, hard clamshell box. And I watched it. And I think that the strangest thing was watching it was it's, it is a horror of sorts. But it's more of a carry-on film more than anything else. It's a bit like carry-on screaming makes footloose because, you know, she, she's a stranger in a town, you know, and all, all the uh, locals don't like her, but all the kids think she's cool. And it's just, it's just full of wonderful one-liners, and yes, it's camp, you know, it's an overused term, I know, but, it, it, but it's genuinely got, got heart. And I think that the Elvira character all the way through from I think it was her 81 when she started, the character anyway, has always had heart. It, she's yes, there's loads of burb gags and, and, and innuendo, but it's never mean spirited. You know, it's never nice. acidic. It, it's you know, the, the comedy and it's uh, nice and gentle in it at times. You know, there's there's no nudity, there's no real gore in it. There's a you know, there's a monster at the end sort of thing. But it, it shows off her her, um, her acting talents, her her uh, comic timing, which was by then obviously done like the movie Macabre, which is again what was shown on which on Nixon. I don't know if that's ever been shown in the UK before the movie Macabre series. I know it's to watch on Prime, but free to view. I just don't think that's done. And you can see through because I've, I've been scanned through a lot of the episodes how the character changes slightly. Now she becomes fully formed, no pun intended. And it's it's just she's always, you know, self-effacing. She's always, you know, jokes are on her a lot. Yeah. You know, the the, the way she, you know, tries to um like um fawn over people and stuff like that. I, I just think she's one of those fun people and I would love to have her been able to move into more comedy. Because I think Cassandra could have offered even more than Elvira to people, you know, even though for the Munsters film being the recent Rob Zombie one being a complete car crash, she's actually very good in it, you know, and she shows how she can do comedy away from, from the, the character of Elvira itself. I think, I think it works. Well, the character, I think the character works Elvira. I mean, we'll, we'll get into the sort of influences later, but I think the mm -hmm. character works in particularly her, her performance, the way she molds that character is because like you said, it's not, it's not coming from an arrogant point of, you know it is self-deprecating yeah. you know the humor is self-deprecating uh and i think that um cassandra peterson she she understands it's comedy yes she of course she's sexy yeah. but it's it, it it doesn't she's not afraid to make herself look like a complete arse either uh -huh. you know at the uh -huh. same time you know that's the thing it's like not you've got to go full in you know you you you, you can't just sit there smoldering that's not particularly funny you've got to do other things mm -hmm. as well you know and, and it's, mm -hmm. it's the same it's kind of same thing as you know if you look at vanilla fielding in carry on screaming it's just a brilliant mm -hmm. performance of course mm -hmm. she's got the sexiest voice on the that's ever <laughs> spoken by anybody but yeah it's she's also uh 
ridiculous as well you know she's mm. not afraid to be ridiculous mm. you know it, it's and silly she she she's hamming it up and she hams yeah. it up all the way through and it turns out like there's the porky's moment when the lads are trying to watch her in, in i think it's in the bathroom in the shower and she comes out and she's got a, you know the cold cream on her face it's not the illusion yeah. uh, the, the sexy siren they wanted in her own artist one of course is showing that she's almost normal like she's got a normal nighttime routine as women would have sort of thing or as would have thought of in, in the back of the 80s and i think that sort of thing it's like it's safe to view sexiness if you know what i mean you would be yeah. embarrassed in front of your mum and dad to watch it and well, then this... i think when the i just think that sort of thing and like jokes when she's talking about because i know there's a like it's a piece in it that's um she says something have you seen the head with two things said the thing with two heads and that's just gentle very funny comedy you know lovely slip there and that's pure carry on there's some really nice visual gags there is one near the beginning where she's just done the tv show she's come backstage and she's standing behind the you know the the the, the blind the the mm. dresser thing you know um mm. Uh, and you know she's got the the fishnets hanging over the side, and she's got the underwear and the dress. And you you thinking, well, she's going to change into something, you know, her street clothes. And she comes out in exactly the same outfit. She's just replaced that outfit with an exactly the same outfit. I thought that was a really nice gag. Um, yeah, so the, it is like you said, it's gentle. It's not. I think it's it's a weird. It is. You there was there's no way this would be a mainstream film now uh no no I, you know i think this is what i was talking about earlier on with the 80s it was a strange time yeah there was some shit but it's but it's also mm -hmm. the it was just a weird time you could have this that kind of weird mix you could have you know you kind of this there's something about this film even though people can watch it now and respond to it there is something about this film that it it could have only have come out of that that period in the eighties. It's just the the mm. mix of horror and comedy, and the R rated sort of goofball Porky's type. I mean, it doesn't go over mm -hmm. the top. It's not as tasteless as Porky's at mm -hmm. all. But it's there. There is that there, and you suspect. I could be wrong, but you suspect that that was a producer saying, "Yeah, we've got to have that scene in because we're appealing to sixteen year old <laughs> spotty kids." You know boys you know <laughs> so i'd imagine that there is there was a bit of that but it's not it's not overly done it's it's very tame in terms of that mm -hmm. you, you're expecting you know some material shall we say yeah <laughs> so it's, it's cheap more... later that's not gonna you're not really gonna get it from this uh, it, it is more benny hill than lemon popsicle isn't yeah, it yeah sort of, of course it is and and I, I i never i you know i'm not just saying this now to, to make me sound cooler than i was obviously it's, i was a 16 17 year old kid and obviously you've got all those kind of urges that you have at that age but i <laughs> i was never really I, I honestly wasn't whereas a lot of other kids my age that they were just desperate to see things like porkies and lemon but i just mm -hmm. i was never that bothered you know mm -hmm. i was much more that's much more into Boris Karloff. <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing is, though, you know, sometimes less is more. And, yeah. you know, with, with a, a figure's always unsure, but that becomes secondary to watching Elvira act and the interaction. And she becomes, and she knows she's a fully formed character. And it's a shame it didn't really break her into UK audiences. So I think this that could have led to a lot to a lot more. And it was between that and Haunted, um, Haunted Hills, which was shown on Nick's this month. Is actually a better constructed film, mm. and the gags are more there, and it's very much Mario Bava 
inspired Neg Allen Post um inspired. But this one, again, a lot of the films at the time were like this. It was was, you know, the underdog getting its day, you know, that 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 sort of thing. But I really would have loved her to, to have done more. Not not necessarily as a buyer either. I think she really had she should have got the talent to do that, you know. But it, it, it but it, I think as horror fans, we've got more from it because we could see the little references. If you if you look at this and you look at the structure and you look at like I think, like I said, it's very, it's it's a very eighties. I don't mean that in terms of fashions, but it's just something about there was like, and like I said, yeah, there were some rubbish that came out, but there was they were much more economical. You know, mm-hmm. wasn't it, it was rare that you get. Now it seems like every film that comes out is two hours, three hours long. You know, mm-hmm. even something a superhero film should not be fucking best part of three hours long. It's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. And and everything was kind of more economical. You know, this is like mm-hmm. just ninety minutes. Those and I think the structure, if you look at it, even though it's kind of an eighties thing, and it's got that eighties kind of veneer. It's it's nice. It's got those references. It's funny. All this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But. If you look at, you know, that carries on into the 90s a little bit. If you look at this reminded me, obviously this came before, but if you look at the structure of something like Wayne's World, it mm. it's, bas- it's basically the same as something like Elvira or, or, or a lot mm. of other films from there. It's the same sort of thing, you know, the kids up against the, the old person who wants <laughs> this from them. You know, it's kind of almost like that Scooby-Doo thing in a way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's and it still appeals like that. I, I, yes, it's aged because of fashions, and some of the humour wouldn't be wouldn't be accepted now. So especially in the like it would have been like a like a twelve A probably written or twelve written here now. It it's just it's just fun and it's it's good harmless fun, and and they say the horror references are a, a huge bonus for everybody. And it's every everyone. I, I said about hamming it up and stuff like that, but everyone else around it plays it straight. You know, which makes it funnier. You know, she, she, you know, in a, you know, she'll break the fourth wall now and again. But you know, to, to me, I get more from that than I do most comedies these days. There's some nice little uh, supporting actors in this. The fact you, yeah. it's got a uh, William Duell is in who you know you, you I would first ten minutes I was like, oh, where do I know him from? And then I realized, oh god, he's bloody Johnny, the shoe shine boy from Police Squad. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, one of the hands down one of the best side characters in a in a sitcom ever. absolutely just absolutely what, what do you know about firefighting johnny <laughs> I, don't I don't know anything you'd have to give him <laughs> there's always something like baseball coach or something comes on <laughs> oh they're classics that I've i got, love those got the series. squad series somewhere mm. and yeah it's, it's just i rem- you know again i remember watching that as a kid and just just i think my mum and dad were like what is this but i was just like this is brilliant mm-hmm. this is amazing but mm-hmm. well, as a connection to that and i know we'll go talk about more about horror comedy later on one of the first horror comedies i saw in the cinema was a b movie that was shown with airplane and it was a b a black and white one called cry wolf about a guy who made it got injected with a canine serum or something like that and it's that was shown before before airplane in the good old days when you could have two, you know, supporting yeah, yeah, feature yeah. and all that. And it got it was perfect for airplane. You know, it was you know there was it was it was all shot in black and white, done very very much Universal Studios. 
and it was just there was a spate of sausage robberies and stuff like that just turned into a dog you know so <laughs> but that you know that that connection of humor you know very very similar cause i love the airplane humor it's just a shame that scary movie could have done the same the original you know the original and it didn't it, it misfired in my opinion mm. Yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, no, I'm not going to get into that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> that's another one, now. yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but no, but they the, say the, the humor is it's, it's done right, it's tastefully. I don't think there's any bad language in it, to tell you the truth. I don't think there's anything there, really. Mm. No, there isn't. You no, know, no. It's, it's just simple fun. Here's a superhero with the biggest pair of all. You looking for me now, then it's um. Can't really talk about Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, or Elvira, really, uh, aka yeah. Cassandra Peterson, without really going back and and thinking about the idea of the um because uh, it it was largely an American thing, the horror host, because we did, yeah. even though obviously you know as we mentioned earlier on, think things like Nick's kind of touches upon that and and kind of fills that gap. Uh, and and then in the early nineties we had things like um, obviously we had movie drone and stuff like that. But in terms of more specifically horror, even though we'd had the sort of double bills of the seventies and eighties, in the early nineties mm-hmm. we had Doctor Terror. Um, That's right. Yeah. But we'd never really gone in for the horror host in this country. It's never really a thing. Uh, but mm-hmm. obviously it's been uh, you know well established thing in in American culture, particularly in the twentieth century, for, for for a number of years and can't really talk about elvira without talking about vampira aka myla My nermi um mm-hmm. there's um i mean i don't know if you've read or how much you know about vampira but i don't know if you've read um w scott paul's book on vampira no i'm not i know of her to, to an extent but i've not read the book no Oh, yeah, I'd really recommend. I mean, in fact, I'd recommend pretty much any W. Scott Poole's books. Um, he he writes mainly about horror, but really he uses horror as a lens. And really what he's writing about is he's, he's offering very well-researched critiques into American culture. Mm. And so yeah. he uses things as as a lens to to look at that. So he uses horror films, but so he he did a book called Dark Carnival, where he's kind of like it's almost like ripping apart the idea of the American dream and how, and just looking at how America as empire, you know, because we we tend to think of empire, the British Empire from yeah, you know, hundred years ago, whatever, mm-hmm. but actually america has an empire now they've got more troops in more countries of the world than any other nation they they have an empire you know uh so he looks at that but look uses horror films to describe how they are either reflecting or critiquing that and it's really interesting brilliant brilliant written but the Mm -hmm. vampire book um he uses that really obviously it's part biographical of my my lanermi but it's also very much about how um it, it's looking at how sexist you know the kind of country is mm-hmm. and because he's mm-hmm. he, you know he talks what's interesting about vampire is that you know myla nermi was was way ahead of the game not just in terms mm-hmm. of being a horror host but just you know you're talking about the early 50s you know she was 
offering this because she she came up with this image you know mm -hmm. and if you look at how after you know the post-war period you know um wives or, or or women were being sort of even though they'd, they'd had this this splash of independence during the second world war when there was a lack of male work workers you know because mm -hmm. they, they've been signed up or whatever they they after the war they were being kind of pushed back into the kitchen and pushed back into mm -hmm. this domesticity and that was the idea if you look at a lot of 50s films they are really ramming that down your throat Mm -hmm. So what Vampira did, or what Myla Nermi did as Vampira, was offer this subverted, twisted, deformed version of the American mm -hmm. housewife with the sucked-in waist and the black clothes and the claws. She was mm -hmm. so subversive, and so and this is why they got rid of her. She didn't last very long because they they pushed no. her out. I read it was about only lasted about eight months or something, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, uh, and virtually it... nothing of it exists. You can hardly watch anything. There's nothing online mm -hmm. or anything. There's tiny, the tiny clips. Uh -huh. The impact of her and that the 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 way she's dressed and the smouldering, literally smouldering on screen, how that was allowed in the late fifties on American television, I don't know. But it's it's on, on the parts I have read about her, and it, the creation was slightly more Tisha Adams from the comic yes. strips, yeah. and um, she absolutely, I know. Even for that short time, she became such an icon of America pop culture, you know, and she's still, you will still see a reference every now, every couple of days or whatever on the internet or an image of her or a drawn of her or a tattoo of her. You know, she, she's made such an impact continuously. Again, she, I think she just ended up being with Ed Wood, didn't she, in a couple of his films? Yeah, she she well, she's Plan Nine from Outer Space. I mean, that mm -hmm. is kind of she she became more or less the poster child for that, really. And mm -hmm. she, you know, I think it's probably one of those things where people are kind of they they may even own a t shirt with Vampire on, but are, mm -hmm. aren't really aware of who she is and aren't really aware of the Vampire show or anything like that. But she, because she is such a horror icon, you know, and she was. Mm -hmm. Like I said, she was way ahead of her time. Uh, this, this is the. I mean, in the book, <clears throat> and again, this is in the fifties, mm -hmm. uh, sort of mid to late fifties after Vampire. But she had some sort of accident. There was like she she burned some of her hair off, hair off. So right. she ended up shaving part of it, and and literally she yes. read punk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like fucking, <laughs> you know. She not only was she this horror icon with this shaved mm -hmm. kind of haircut the makeup she literally invented mm -hmm. the punk look you you can see 20 years <laughs> later these kids were, were, were looking like that she was so, she yeah. was incredibly ahead of her time and she was an artist as well she wasn't just an mm -hmm. actor and she was an artist and i think she mm -hmm. had her own shop where she sold stuff and i think she ended up um <laughs> sounds really unlikely i think she ended up laying tiles for a bit after vampire imagine that <laughs> i mean i don't think she worked at b and q <laughs> she i think they were like more <laughs> artisan tiles but yeah she ended up there uh, yeah laying tiles for a bit after imagine that a vampire turning up to do your kitchen <laughs> yeah i'd let her <laughs> that's yeah. for sure i'd let her but it, it was just i think it was the eyebrows the arches and the eyebrows and the way she just she was permanently looking down on people, aloofness of the character and things like that, and I'm above you sort of thing, or you are my my servant sort of thing, you know. And I, I think that's where she hit the chord with, with with probably mainly males, 
But again, she was she could have empowered females, showing like I'm in control of the situation. You know this. You know this is all about me. This this series or these introductions, and you can say you can see why she's just such this this person who's so revered. But people don't know why she's revered. You know, you know, a lot of well, people just think she she was in that um, Plan Nine, and that was it. That would few knew about her show. Yeah, and that's what I mean. If you've got any sort of vague interest in it, I can't I cannot recommend that book enough. The W Spot mm. Cool book, it's just called Vampire. It's superb. Really, is really good. Um, I mean, I mean, the other thing that that's kind of a little bit of a shame is is how she. I mean, I could understand it from a professional point of view. I guess she would have been, she would have felt a bit burned because she'd been sort of kicked out in the fifties, and then in the eighties, along comes Cassandra Peterson. You know, and, and there was this kind of court case of which Cassandra Peterson yeah. actually won. But I, mm-hmm. I do I do think it's a shame because I don't think what she was doing I think that you know Myla Nermi's vampire was very much a reflection of what was happening in the fifties and, and it was brave to mm-hmm. do it then and, and, and really subversive. Mm-hmm. And I think what mm-hmm. um Elvira did was something obviously it was easier to get away with that. But I think she was, you know, it was it was still subversive in the, you know, she took the idea of the valley girl and and you know turned it on its head and you know so mm-hmm. it was kind of that. So I I I think it was a, it's a shame that 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 the original vampire couldn't see how much of uh, an eighties version of that it was, and how it couldn't be what she was mm. doing. It had to be something different. Mm-hmm. But it's a shame, really. Was there any truth in the rumor that she tried to be resurrected, or they tried to resurrect her in the late seventies, early eighties? That, that sort of character, or that sort of format? I don't think so. I can't. And I, I she, there may have been certain projects which come. I don't think anybody was lining her up to go on tv or anything anytime mm-hmm. soon i i, I don't mm-hmm. think being i mean as much as it is as much as i love it and as much as it is a cool thing now i don't you know, obviously plan nine did not do her any favors whatsoever mm-hmm. just, just being involved yeah. with ed wood at that time you know it's all mm-hmm. it's 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 great for us to kind of look back and and find it all yeah. terribly amusing and, and 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 getting a kick out of watching things like plan nine but you know, you got to think if you were Myla Nermi at that time, mm-hmm. there, there was nothing lower for you, isn't it? They weren't looking at that as being, oh, well, this is a cool thing. This is a, a camp thing. Mm-hmm. They were just seeing this, mm-hmm. well, this is a cheap, shitty film I'm in, you know. Um, <laughs> so, and I love it, you know, but you've got to mm-hmm. see it from an actor at that point of view. You know, Lugosi mm-hmm. wouldn't have been involved in that if he wasn't on the absolute bones of his arse, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's it's sad, but God, what an impact you made! It still makes. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, in terms of you know, Vampire and and uh, obviously Elvira. I mean, this is obviously it. It's much more, like you said, it's much more carry on scream, and it's much more. It leans much more into the comedy horror, and I think mm. that is like a nice kind of sub sub genre in itself, and it's not. Mm-hmm easy to get right you know it really isn't you know it's um i i don't think there's there's very few films that have got it right i, I don't think mm-hmm. it always works and and you know i, I it 
and I, and I and I and again I'm a bit of a contrarian I guess like you know if you say comedy horror a lot of people the the first thing they'll say will be Shaun of the Dead and I, I the first time I saw Shaun of the Dead it's got it's got some genuinely funny moments in it don't get me wrong and I I don't think it's a mm-hmm. bad film or anything but I would go with um return of the living dead every time i just think that that works so well because it mm-hmm. not only is it kind of aping the zombie film but it also comes up with so many new concepts that weren't happening in other zombie films at the time that it's brilliant you know but mm-hmm. it's funny as well but the comedy is absolutely spot on you know it's mm-hmm. great you know the the zombies phoning for another ambulance or phoning for more <laughs> cop cars it's just fucking mm-hmm. fantastic and you gotta think of, of i think the sub genres of comedy horror there's like the straight comedy uh, of something like or the straight comedy like evil dead 2 has so much comedy in it medieval dead um third one has comedy in it then you've got the ones like bloodbath at the house of death the kenny everett vehicle that, that <laughs> yes. died of death and that's a spoof comedy yeah. But you know, and I, I think I sort of prefer like um, it's, it's difficult to say which one. Because I, I love Tucker and Dale versus Abel. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's a great That's... comedy horror. That is a brilliant comedy horror. But then again, We're having a doozy like, of a day, officer. <laughs> <laughs> that was so needs a sequel. Um, it, it just and I think like Shaun of the Dead was great till the last twenty minutes. I think it became too serious to be a comedy horror film at the end. You know what I mean? Um, but then again, it was. We, scary movie it, it was overdone you know the, the spoof no, that was just overdone the, the the problem with scary movie i think what it is the problem with scary movie is that i i don't have a sense and, and I, I haven't seen them all by any stretch i've seen a couple of them no and that was plenty um the problem is that i don't get a sense that anybody involved with those films producers directors writers whatever had any love for horror at all and i think if they did they would have worked a lot better but you're not respecting the thing you're aping or the thing you're parodying you've got to be able you know Mm -hmm. if you watch airplane they it's very clear that the makers of those films knew it knew all the conventions Mm -hmm. of uh a disaster mm-hmm. movie and and got them brilliantly mm-hmm. and you know and that it has to come from a place of love if you're coming at it with a sneer and a few and a handful of gags mm-hmm. well who cares it's not that you're not there's mm-hmm. no respect there's no heart there's no love there you know even mm-hmm. though i'm not a massive fan of Shaun of the dead the one thing they do get right is i i've i've got absolutely no doubt that they have watched you know, uh, Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead. They've watched all those films and understood them and understood what made mm-hmm. them popular. Mm-hmm. That's why it works, because they are paying respect to that genre. They're not trying to undermine it or make it out as being tacky or terrible, yeah. but not doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the misstep with Repossessed, wasn't it? Yeah. That Leslie Nielsen, exists, you know, just it tried too hard to be, and it, there was no... There's no care in it, was there? Yeah, and and you know things like dead and loving it and stuff like that. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's just you know. I think obviously for Leslie Nielsen on the back of all those things, he's going to take the money. You know, here's some money, money yeah. starring this shit. You know, but yeah. yeah, he did kind of lessen the the impact of 
those mm. you know all the quality films that he was in earlier on you know obviously naked mm. gun and all that kind of stuff but um yeah i i mean it's interesting really i mean i think you know it's a different discussion but i think it's interesting to see what's happened to comedy in general on the cinema i think mm -hmm. comedy largely belongs on tv now that's where you get the best comedy you know mm -hmm. comedy films um if anything, you tend to get like comedy dramas, you know. So it's got you've got comic elements, but there is essentially a Is drama. that serious? Yeah. Yeah, mm. like you know, I saw I think it's interesting, you know, I went to see Holdovers the other day. It's all right, you mm. know. Um, but it, the the trailer very much sells it as a comedy, but it's not really comedy, yeah. It's not, yeah, it's it's you know, I think so. I think what's interesting um in terms of comedy horror is how it's sort of evolved into something else. I mean it depends your your view on sort of black comedy and how how you view it, I guess. But you know something like Alice Lowe's Prevenge, you know that is it is a tragic film on many levels, but mm -hmm. it's piss funny as well in places. And it's not mm -hmm. that's not easy to get right. The tone of that no, no. is not easy to get right. So mm -hmm. and you know something like Dog Soldiers, you know that's clearly there are moments of slapstick in that, you know, but it's not intended mm -hmm. to be an out and out comic comedy horror yeah um mm -hmm. so yeah it, it's a it's a strange one i think you know again like i think on television you know um inside number nine i mean those guys they reese shearsmith oh, and, yeah. and 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 Pember steve pemberton they really they they the reason it, when they do like a horror type thing the reason it works even though it's got comedy elements is because they know that stuff inside out they know amicus they know mm -hmm. hammer they know blood from mm -hmm. blood on satan's claw they know all this stuff uh they like they love this stuff they're not taking mm -hmm. a piss out of it they are just mm -hmm. simply using elements of that within a comedy sort of horror comedy suspense thing whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. it has to come mm -hmm. from a place of love if you're not then if you don't it's like there's a I can't even remember what it's called, but I was I was watching, I was bored, and I was I was looking for something to watch on ITVX, and I came across a sitcom, and it was about a young uh, a young guy who he's a doctor, and he gets he gets bitten by a vampire, and it's supposed to be like a horror comedy, him learning how to be a vampire and all this, but the mm -hmm. character is like they they've basically written this character. All this character is he's dead into horror. He loves horror. So mm -hmm. he becomes a vampire and all, but it's like it's clear that the writer or the actor, nobody involved in this, understands what you're writing about. Mm -hmm. All you've done is Googled it, yeah. drop a letter reference into Nosferatu. I've never seen it, don't understand what it is. Yeah, yeah. drop a reference yeah, yeah. in, and it's so thinly veiled, mm -hmm. it's shit. It's just like if you don't know this stuff, fucking leave it be, you know. It's it's like I think that, um, what we do in the shadows is is. Has managed to encapsulate the love of horror, you know, because it does look like the film itself was brilliant. The series has continued that, and there was a love for the for the genre in it, and you can tell. Yeah, that that is yeah, that's a, a good example. I think you know, uh, I loved the film when it came out, and 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 I, it's weird actually because I started watching the series, and for some reason I kept getting interrupted. Uh, it took me ages to get into it. I think it took me like three weeks to go back and fully watch the first episode. And mm -hmm. then I just left it on and I ended up watching the first series. Uh, and I just, I got addicted to it after that. I've just, in fact, I've just blasted through the last series. It's, yeah. 
it's really good uh i mean you know matt berry could do anything i think he'd just be funny you know he basically is just toast isn't he whatever he does yeah. he's just <laughs> toast you know that's it you know uh the in- intonation of what he's talking about is he, that's just him uh yeah. but it does work and again there is an understanding of those genres and those conventions of horror it's not just mm-hmm. thrown on the screen for the sake of it they they you know mm-hmm. whoever's involved with this has has you know the idea of uh colin being an energy energy vampire is just a fucking <laughs> brilliant idea that is it's yeah just fantastic yeah it, it, it's strange how how horror comedy evolved for me look at the old abbott and costello movies and how they tried to bring back the universal monsters that they, they really worked at the time you know, the, and they still had a, a short piece of horror element to them, but you could see how they paved the way for such things like Carry On Screaming, um, you know, which 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 we talked about before, and it was, was it's just almost perfect. You know, everything from the sets to the, you know, the script just so so spot on for every horror cliche going for up to that moment. You know, and it's just that um, when I, when I was looking at horror comedies before. And I was thinking there was more of them like more like creature feature comedies like Tremors, which to me is just one of the best creature features ever made. I just love that film. I remember seeing it in the cinema and there was only about four or five of us in it. And I think people have gone to thought it was a, a serious horror film. And they seemed really disappointed, but I love that. I know that it's, it's like died to death with the, I think it's five or six, and there's a failed TV series. But it's just, it's just that one of those lightning in the bottle moments, that film. Yeah. done right it was all practical effects you know which is so good you know and I, I like that because again it was done straight you know and but the comedy elements were, were great there wasn't too much drama there's a little bit of sense in it but it was, it's it's um predominantly comedy well uh, yeah i mean just getting back to uh carry on screaming for a minute um uh i wrote an article about that it's coming out fairly i'm not going to say which magazine is because i don't think they've officially announced it yet but yeah i wrote an no. article about carry on scream it's coming out soon um but yeah I, I, the reason that works yeah you've got it is a carry on film uh, but mm-hmm. it's it's done with the same production values that a hammer horror film yeah it looks it could have been a harrow hammer horror film. in fact i think mm-hmm. i could be wrong on this but i'm sure that the cinematographer also worked on Hammer films as well. There, there is some connection there, and I'm mm-hmm. sure there is, if I remember rightly. Um, but yeah, it, it really works. Um, be, be, and I think that it was, I think that Carry On Screaming, because what people with Carry On films, it's like that there is a there is a cut off point for for the first. Um, wedge of carry on films they mm. they were distributed by anglo amalgamated and there was you can see where the cut off point is because there is a distinct change in quality i'm not saying mm. that some of the late 60s stuff and early 70s stuff wasn't entertaining and funny but you can see there is much less money later on um, mm. that you can see the money on the screen with things like, you know, Carry On Jack or Carry On Cleo. And I think that Carry On Screaming was the last of those mm. Anglo amalgamated ones where you can see some of that money on screen because they Yeah, look, and it's a good full stop. Yeah, you, you, you can see later on, you know, stuff like Carry On At Your Convenience. It looks a lot cheaper, you know. It's not, mm. the, 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 there's, the, there's not the same amount of care 
Um, Everything's present production. data, save on budget and stuff like that. Yeah, and and they start getting much more sort of uh, less less double entendres, more single entendres, isn't it? And you know, it's uh, you know, um, carry on, Emmanuel is is a fucking piece of shit. He's garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see Kenneth Williams bottom. Which oh. is the last thing you want to see on screen, you know? But you could see the embarrassment and everybody involved in that one, really. Yeah, yeah. And Carry On Columbus was awful, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I've only seen that once years ago, and I, 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 I yeah. remember is um, Jim Dale's wig. That's it. I think or his, or his <laughs> perm or whatever it was, you know. Yeah, the thing is, it's it's like the resurrection of a hammer. <clears throat> There's always a story in the papers when it's a slow news day, every five or six months. Carry on films coming back, new casts. You know, you you get it. I think there was, a, I think Carry on London was was put about for ages. Yeah. You know, just before Babs died, and I just think no, leave it. You can't recapture it. Well, what, you know, how would you recapture it? Doing what? Not this day of age sensitivities on some people. How would you do Carry on now? It's just impossible. You're not going to do it mm. now. No. You know, and, you and the old ones are never going to go away. You know, I could go, I could yeah. go to fucking ITV three now, and I guarantee there's a Carry On film on somewhere. You know, <laughs> or on the not going away. They're there. You can watch the old ones. What the fuck is anybody going to do with a Carry On film? What the fuck would it be? Nothing. What would you? <laughs> it wouldn't be a Carry On film. No. Would it? How? It wouldn't. How would it be a Carry On film now? You just. I'm not. I'm not. I don't mean this in a kind of Daily Mail or what you call. Yeah. I'm just saying, I don't think you should do a carry-on film now because what's the fucking point? Yeah. See, <laughs> do you feel like that about the resurrection of Hammer again? You know, and like the, the first time it came around and they the played a blinder with Woman in Black. Mm. It was good and it was gothic and it did feel like Hammer and then just it, it petered away again. You know, I, I didn't mind Let Me In. I thought it was a great remake. You know, I thought that was really well done. The I thought Whitewood so was old. good. I thought Whitewood was excellent. Whitewood's good, and again, that's that's more of a what's, what's it called, a, like a folk horror, which yeah. which Hammer likely doubled in. And I think if they maybe turned to a Dennis Wheatley book or something like that, it would have, we could have had a good run, you know. But I, I don't know if you know. I don't even just thrive on the name alone anymore these days, you know. It's it's just I think it's just people that watch GB News that are desperate for fucking a, a, a carry on, a new carry on film. It's like what I don't know what you're expecting. You yeah. know. I, don't, I don't think it'd be as funny because you watched it because they were all playing the same character with a slightly different rude name. You know. If you bring, it, it, I just think if you bring carry on films back now, if we sanction that, then it's only a matter of time before you get in fucking. You know, love thy neighbor and all this. All the, you, this is what this is. This is this is what it leads to. And this is nothing against mm. the old Carry On films, but it's just this attitude now of you can't do anything these days. Yes, you fucking can. Mm -hmm. You know this. Like you know, as Stuart Lee points out, you know, you've got so many comedians now that are just fuck. Uh, you know, every every fucking other day, there's something on Twitter saying, you know, oh, you can't say this and you can't say that. You've just been paid a fucking million pounds to do a fucking Netflix special. What are you talking about? Yeah. You are saying it. You can say it. Mm -hmm. But who the fuck would want a carry-on film now? What would be the point? There's mm -hmm. no point. There's no point. Yeah. You know, what, what is the new generation of carry-on? It's nothing. You can do other things with comedy. You can move it on. It doesn't have to be that. Mm. Let's let's yeah. not use an old franchise of films just so you can start reintroducing your outdated mode of fucking sexism or racism. 
just to please you because you can't fucking say anything anymore when you actually can. So what do you think of, of, of I know it's got, it's got a point, but with leg, legacy movies as a column now, and television shows being prequels, like we have that one that's maybe come from Peacock about for Friday the 13th and things like that. I think you, it can, it, you know there, there are obviously you know hand, there's stuff out there that work, works really well you know that, that mm-hmm. you know who obviously this isn't horror but if you think about you know who the hell would think that something like Karate Kid would work you know with Cobra Kai it's, <laughs> Cobra it's Kai, yeah brilliant I love it it's just, it's so throwaway it's fantastic I love it mm. but who you know but that the character of Johnny in that is just amazing brilliant brilliant performance that first. Because I teach film and stuff at um, uh, university. Uh, one of the things I'll show them is that first ep- well, the first sort of uh, bit of the, the the episode of the first episode of uh, from the first series of Cobra Kai because it's so well done, it's so well structured, it's such a brilliant introduction to a character. But who saw that mm-hmm. coming? You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I, I, I like the first series of Chucky. The second series was really going over the same old ground, but the first series of Chucky was really in your face, good horror, had a lot of things to say, but was done in such a way you didn't realise that's what they were saying initially, and that was great fun. But I think second and third series, I've no holding up for the third series, but the second was very much felt like it was retreading. Well, again, I think, you know, like we're saying, it's got to come from a place of love, and, and, and for that, I mean, I've been reading today, I think, that they're bringing back, well, they're looking to bring back Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I have no idea what they're going to do with that. I don't think Sarah Michelle Gellar is going to be involved because I don't, you know, as she mm. points out, you know, it's about that when I did it, it was a show about, it was a metaphor for adolescence. I'm not an adolescent mm. anymore, so why would I be involved in it? So in some ways, I hope they do bring it back and uh, uh, and they do something decent with it. But if they don't, mm-hmm. the old one's not disappeared. I can watch it whenever I want. You know, I've got the mm-hmm. box set. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that recently, you, you, a lot sometimes you, what you tend to do is this idea of, it's almost that bait and switch idea of putting something out there to try and attract the original fans and then doing nothing to with the with the actual property or completely changing the actual property so So it's not what it was yeah which which is fine but Mm -hmm. you know don't it's like the whole thing uh the scooby-doo thing they did the the uh velma thing what they whatever they did you know Mm -hmm. you yeah, of course you can change the race of characters and all that. That's fine. That's just diverse ca- casting. We're in the twenty first century, but it's it's you can't change the completely change the characters to make them mm-hmm. not the characters, and then you don't have the dog in, and you don't have the. Every people <laughs> expect that, you know. It's like yeah. Superman without a cape. That's not going to work. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's that's true. But it, it, it's said they, they keep going back and they give this horrible term legacy. Oh yeah, legacy characters and things like that. You know, they only brought in like in Scream to be killed off. Yeah, you know, and like uh, Dewey in Scream Five, possibly. You know, and um, and then that's a sad bit. You know, we should be creating new stuff. You know, instead of keep looking back, we need new new things. New things. They don't they don't need you to to diverse change anything. Let's just have new exciting characters with diverse. Cast, you know what I mean? Like new things instead of relying on changing old, old stuff. You know, you know. The, I just, I just think that's that's a bit of a way forward than trying to go look back and then, oh yeah, but we'll change this, this, and this. Just create something new. 
Yeah, because they, they they largely end up end up being the things that that you know, if you want to reduce it to those terms, those new things largely end up making money. You know, the the, the things mm-hmm. that people aren't expecting. You know, it's yeah. these you know the hit TV shows tend to come out of nowhere, and and they and they yeah. they end up being popular through word of mouth, not because you've dug up some old fucking franchise and, and shoveled yeah. it out there with no love yeah. or interest in it really. You just want the name and the brand. Yeah. There's no and that's where the people can see through that. Mm-hmm. And that's where the lack of care comes in, isn't it? And like you said, they, they want the brand name. They want to change it into something else. But they yeah. want, you know, just just try and change, you know, just just try and invent something new or original. You know, I th- that's I think where things that, that, work. There's a middle, well, not a middle ground, but there there is a way of doing it. If you look at something like, okay, we're t- not not talking about TV so much, but if mm-hmm. you look at say the the reimagining or re redoing of or remaking, if you like, of Suspiria, uh, you know, yeah. I think that was a really good, you know, that was a, yeah. that was how you do it, you know. So obviously yeah. you've got Suspiria, the name, so you know you could say, well, that's a bit cynical. But what they retained, they did something completely new with it, retained the essence. Yeah. But they did they didn't try and make a Dario Gento film. Mm-hmm. They they tried to make a twenty first century film. Uh yeah. and I think what, what was brilliant about it is that as much as I love as much as I love the Dario Gento original, yeah, you know. We've got a horror film set in a dance studio. You never see any dancing, you know. And I think that's what they 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 <laughs> yeah they they went yeah. back to in the remake, and they actually put dance at the center of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they had the yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good point. I think I'll revisit that because I love the score to the new one. I think Tom York did it. I think um, Romero had did the score for it. Um, but yeah, you, you've you've got a point with with that one. And as long as the doing something new, not changing too much, but adding something that's new. You, know, you say it's it's all about essence, and it's it's again you come back to it. It's the heart of it, and that's where horror comedies need need a decent heart on it, and they need not to, um, what like water down the horror to the extent that it's it's um it's like cocking a snoot at them. It's it's not it's been really deridery to the to the, to the horror genre and to its fans. If you can do something interesting with it, then yeah, revisit Friday the Thirteenth or or mm-hmm. Halloween. But that you mm-hmm. should before doing that. I mean, obviously they're not because it's a, a it's a money making venture. But mm-hmm. if you can do something original and smart and 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 weird or strange with it that doesn't try and do a crap version of Carpenter, but actually presents you with something slightly different and mm-hmm. presents a twenty first century version of that, then do that. Mm-hmm. otherwise why bother you know when you've got you know films like get out or you've got films like revenge by alice lowe that are, are gen or you've got films like poor things recently or you've got mm. you know sent maud or whatever which are genuinely doing some innovative strange on on usually you know not so much poor things but with the mm. other, you know usually on very low budgets and they're mm-hmm. not they're not overly done with CG or whatever. They are mm-hmm. presenting us with, dare I say it, ideas, you know, rather than names or brands, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Do that. Mm-hmm. So do you think? <laughs> do do, do that, you think filmmakers? Just, just, it's easy because we've said it's easy. So you just go and do it. Yeah. 
surely you've got every, come on the, i've should... got some more clouds to shout at <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think and again horror, horror comedies again it's preference isn't it because all horror uh, comedies subjective and and things like that. It's it's where what was it, what was it fearless? No, was it the lesbian vampire killers or vampire lesbian killers or yeah. the James Corden film from years ago? And that yeah, that, well, that, that should tell you. you need the... to know a James yeah. Corden film. <laughs> <laughs> it was that was a sneery film. It was like against horror fans and stuff like that. I thought, if you know what I mean. That's mm. like, even God Bruce Campbell, bless him. You know he he's done some terrible comedy horror films. You know, so it doesn't matter. You know, if we've got the cast or not, I think all, Bruce Campbell would would probably be the first one to admit it's <laughs> terrible <laughs> as well. <laughs> that's probably that's probably true. But what what what's your number one comedy horror? I, I think I said I think Return of the Living Dead. I think it's just mm. it's just great. It's just, it is. A... It's got laugh out loud stuff, but also the way that they handle the zombies is brilliant. You know, it's genuinely mm -hmm. innovative you know mm -hmm. yeah i'd love to say that in the crowd again mm -hmm. you know i, I think I've, i saw it an all-nighter once and it was just brilliant you know even if it was half past two in the morning everyone was just loving it you know whether they knew it or not well it's the i think it's the 40th anniversary next year isn't it so right yeah we'll definitely have to get, get that some get that shown somewhere yeah. on the big screen make an event of that one anyway i think we've uh tanned Elvira and subsequent topics <laughs> to death. Yeah. Um, it just remains. I'm not going to do me fucking Facebook plugs. You know where we are. Followers, do <laughs> this, blah, blah, fucking blah. Do that. Give us a review, which you won't, you bastards. You're fucking ignoring my request for a review. Um, I'm sorry. If you have written us a review, then that, you're, you're fantastic. Um, anyway, um, yeah. Um, thank you. Just remember. <laughs> just remains for me to say thank you once again to James Whittington for coming on. Cheers, James. Great. Anytime, mate. Hope to see you soon. <laughs> and remember to call round next time. Make yourself at home. You look like you're dying for a nice cup of tea for terror. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future.